Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. From the Over the Top Studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas, and we are going the distance with Coach John Hughes. John, good to see you. It's great to see you too, George. I'm finally out here in shorts and a jersey rather than warmers or my ski clothes or anything. I think spring is here. Yeah. what What's up with Boulder? It's 70 degrees today, and we're supposed to get a massive snow dump this weekend. That's what I hear. My wife is going skiing, and she's all excited. Um, I need to work on the dryer and do some things around the house, so I'm going to be inside doing house chores, so the next time it's sunny, I can go ride. But, it, but it's Boulder, you know. It's our snowiest time of the year. So it's spring. How much time should we be spending on our bikes rather than doing clothing? <laughs> <laughs> as much as possible is not the answer. Uh, how much time you should spend on your bike is is largely a function of how much you've done over the winter or up until now. I skied 6 to 12 hours a week cross-country skiing every week. So shifting to cycling, I could do initially about the same or less, interestingly enough. I've got really good endurance, but the biomechanics are different. So I don't want to hurt my legs by trying to do too much volume right away. Uh, Some rules of thumb are, look at what you did last spring. You could increase that by about 10% very safely. You could increase it by 20 to 25%, a little more risky. But you might be able to get away with it. Look at what you did last month. That's me in terms of skiing. Or if you've been riding even better, you could you could go up 15 to 25% over what you did last month. If you look at last week, don't increase a lot. 10 to 15% is pretty safe. And I'm not talking about miles. I'm talking about time. Partly so you can make the trans- transition from cross-country skiing or mountain biking or whatever aerobic activity you've been doing in the winter to what you're doing now on your road bike. Partly, uh, the number of miles I will get if I ride to Erie and back tomorrow are much greater than if I climb to Raymond and back tomorrow. I probably get twice as many miles going to Erie, but it's the same workout because it's the same duration. So do it in terms of time, not distance. That's one thing I've always really liked about your coaching method is get miles out of your head and really focus on time. When you're writing Going the Distance, my cycling book, I really argued that it ought to be Going the Time. That didn't seem to have quite the same marketing appeal. (laughs) (laughs) They thought it sounded too much like doing the time, (laughs) which sometimes cycling feels like. So... 
how much time? How do you make your schedule so that you can fit everything in? As a friend of mine used to say, with great delicacy and finesse, but that's not a very precise answer. Part of it is mix up the kind of rides that you're doing. Don't just do the same thing. The, the purpose of training is not to accumulate maximum fatigue, but maximum fitness. Neil Henderson, one of the really good local coaches, told me that once, and he's quite right. He's, he's coaching with BMC a lot now. So the idea is to get fitter this spring, not to see how many miles you can ride or how many hours you can put in. And the way you get there is by doing different kinds of riding. Now, the main goal this winter, or sorry, this spring, is to build your endurance, to keep building it after whatever you did over the winter. And most top endurance riders, 80% of their time is doing pretty slow endurance rides, you know, the classic long, slow distance. George and I could be riding along, we could be talking like this, chit-chatting about whatever. He'd tell me about Terry, I'd tell him about Carol, we'd talk about events. That's an endurance ride. Nice conversational pace. Very relaxed. Much of your ride now to be that. Then we get to the hills. George is a little fitter than I am. He's a little younger. I didn't say a lot, George, a little. But we go up the hill so we can still talk in reasonably good sentences. I remember you and Steve Bourne on Pacific Crest 21 years ago, and you were not initially fit. We got to Mount Rose. Not at all. <laughs> and, and you and Steve were climbing Mount Rose, both of you singing at the top of your lungs, trying to prove that you were fit. Well, if you can do that, then that's a good tempo or hill climbing ride. So yes, have some of this basic conversational stuff. Have some of this stuff where you're going a little harder, but you can still sing. Then if you want, depending upon what your goals are, you could kick it up another notch and start doing some power training. And that means riding hard enough that you can still talk in phrases, but not even in complete sentences. And that's really going to start um, recruiting more muscle fibers. Your muscles aren't just big blocks, but they're composed of a lot of ind individual fibers. And the harder you ride, the more fibers you recruit. And so the more power you can develop. So you can include some of that in your spring training. And otherwise, a lot of recovery riding. I'm here in my cycling clothes at George's studio, and I'm about three miles from the post office where I get my mail. So I'm going to ride to the post office and back. Good for you. It's a, it's a great recovery ride, and it's <laughs> 70 degrees out. And my legs will feel good by tomorrow when I go for a long endurance ride because I can take the day off. So... Rather than thinking about how many miles you can put in, think about time and think about mixing it up. Mostly long, slow endurance, some faster tempo rides. If you're doing an event that requires a lot of power, you could start training for power now. Or if you're doing more of an endurance event, you could rate and do your power training in the next phase. So I'm thinking, you know, I took a lot of time off my bike, went to... Uh, uh, pack tour century week and doubled my training mileage on the first day <laughs> but felt fantastic by the end but then got home and it had dumped snow so it was like well it's going to be skiing again not riding how do you increase from something like that where that week of you know mileage just out of the middle of nowhere in my training 
how can I not lose the fitness that I got there? Or did I gain any fitness? You definitely gained fitness there. Different example, I have a client and a friend who went to one of the pack tour camps and rode a lot, did his first tour to K of the year. And toward the end of the camp, he crashed. And he'd take a week off the bike and he was bummed out. And I said, what? You're recovering. That's when you get fitter is when you're recovering, not when you're out riding your ass off, pardon my French. Um, got a new client who was at desert camp for three weeks, did a ton of riding. And now this person needs to take a week or two completely off. That's the first point. Second point is it depends on how you rode at desert camp. Some people get there and they're, they're bound and determined they're going to be fastest every day. And they might be the first day and they're going to have a good shot at it the second day. And by the I went specifically to lose desert camp. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I've got a good friend and client, Lois Springsteen. She's doing Route 66 right now. She does a tour every year. And she's really smart about pacing herself. And by the end of the tour, she's fitter. She's riding stronger. And she's keeping up with people she couldn't keep up with before. She's dropping people she used to ride with. So it's about pacing yourself through the camp or whatever it is. It's about recognizing that you do need some time off for recovery. And in your case, you're shifting from cycling, endurance activity, to downhill skiing, which is power, not aerobic. So to the extent you can, mix in a little endurance riding on the trainer during that week. So, John, one of my main fears, probably my only fear, just going from nothing to that kind of uh, duration out on the bike was injury. How do we avoid that when we're starting to build up our, our training phase? My buddy John and I, we, we ride every week year-round, and one of the things we, we play is spot the pro, spot the amateur. And I just wrote an article for, for Road Bike Rider, um, it's on the homepage of my website, Train Like a Pro This Spring. So if you go to www.coach-hughes.com, you'll find it. These guys get, well, th these riders, they get paid to race. And if they're injured, it's not good. So first of all, they're not out there to win today's ride. They're like you at Desert Camp. They're out there to lose. Okay, so the wannabes pass us. So what? We're doing our endurance mile. Second, you live near the top of old stage. You don't see the pros racing up either the steeper side or the easier side. They're not doing intensity now. The wannabes are doing intensity. I ride a touring bike with phenomenally low gears, so I can climb old stage and still have it be kind of an endurance ride, except for that one half mile. But you don't see the big racers out doing that. Their bikes fit. They've really got the bike fit dialed in, rather than having their knees at the wrong angle, so they're putting more torque on them. They're ramping up the volume slowly. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're going from 300 miles to 325 miles a week. It's a little different than you and I do, but they're not making big jumps. Five to 10% increase in training volume per week. If you spot a rider out there when it's 60 degrees out and they've got bare knees, you know they're not a pro. The pros keep their knees covered until it's maybe 70 degrees. The knees have got really poor circulation. And so there's not a lot of lubricant working when the knees get cold. So you're much more prone to knee injury. It's a phenomenon called spring knee. And it's the result of increasing the volume and or increasing the intensity too quickly without protecting your knee. And increasing the intensity could be 
more riding or harder riding or weight room, any combination of those. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the knee covers because I know I've had days where it's been 50 degrees and it feels so warm and you're just like, I'm so happy to be out of all the extra clothing and then get out there and realize I just rode in some pretty cold weather without covering my knees. <laughs> so you're saying we should check the weather before we go out. You, you, should, you should definitely check the weather. And that's why I like knee warmers, because it may only be in the 50s when I go out. And by afternoon, it could be in the 60s. In the 60s. But there's a guy in the Rocky Mountain Cycling Club who used to be, a, be a, a massage therapist down at the Olympic Training Center. And they find riders if they caught them with bare knees when it was under 60 degrees. The riders had to pay. Wow. And obviously, developing spring knee... It's going to take a while to get over that. I, in fact, I've got a, a client, really nice guy, big, lives lives back east, very busy, and he was able to take a week's vacation to go to San Diego. And he did great rides, three great rides, lots of climbing, and in his case, it wasn't spring knee, it's spring hip. Oof. But now, it, John, my hip hurts. What happened? Well, I think it's an overuse injury. Well, yeah. So, again, a case of going from fairly low volume. I mean, he, he trains consistently on the trainer. Four days a week. So he's, he's no slouch, but he's not used to doing big volume or a lot of climbing, and he wrapped in them both. And he, had, and he had a great vacation, but he was not particularly smart about it. Well, how do you figure out the right intensity? Depends on what you're trying to do. Most of it, like I'm saying, should be conversational. Okay. But you may want to go harder, and different people gauge that different ways. I ride by perceived exertion. If I'm out riding with my buddy John, we're talking. We're talking a lot. We're chit-chatting about, so what do you think about the election? We don't get into that on the air. People have different opinions, but we talk about that a lot. How's your wife doing with her uh, her organization? Oh, she's doing great. How's my wife doing with the art? Da, 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 da. A lot of conversational riding. When we're climbing hills, we're not talking quite as fast, but we're still conversational pace. Another way to do it is by heart rate. I used heart rate monitor a lot. When I first started riding seriously, they were just being introduced. They're a great training tool. But don't set your training zones by max heart rate because that's just a function of how old you are and who your parents were. Remember Lee Mitchell, Lee Fuzzy Mitchell? Very well. I coached him in his 60s. His max heart rate was 180 beeps per minute. I'm not sure I ever saw that even in my 30s. Different age, different genetics. I was fitter than he was. So do it based on what's called your lactate threshold, where your body starts accumulating a lot of lactic acid. That's when you start feeling the burn in your legs. So heart rate monitor is another good way. Some people do it by power. That's a lot of equipment. It's expensive. It's probably $1,000. I don't know what stages it's charging these days. It's coming down, but it's still expensive. And you need to know how to interpret the data. But any, any one of those three methods will work. The main point is don't ride at the same intensity all the time. And I put up on my website a page where you can go read about training zones and you can download the same spreadsheet for free that I give to my clients and you can figure out what your training zone should be. So it's right on the home page, www.coach-hughes.com. Anything else we should be doing in the spring and as well as riding our bikes instead of riding our bikes? I I've, I've got a new client, great guy. He, he's training for a Transcon. He rides, he's ridden 1,000 to 2,000 miles a year, but he's involved with the group, and they're going to do 
60 to 80 miles a day across the country and they're going to take a day a week off and he went out to do an organized 50 mile t-shirt ride this past weekend and about halfway through his rear derailleur cable broke and the sag wasn't there what would lon haldeman do in that case george ride a single speed well, right, that's Long Haldeman. <laughs> but, but what if Lon was there and he didn't have a derailleur cable and he was with this guy who's derailleur? He would grab a piece of grass or something and somehow be able to replace the cable with that or a flexible stick. <laughs> Close, but not quite right. What, what he'd do is he would move the derailleur so it was to kind of a middle cog and then he'd jam a stick or something in there. So I had the stick right. Place. You had the stick right. The, the reason I mention that is there are all kinds of things that can and probably will go wrong on your rides if you don't prevent them. And there's an ebook that I wrote called Stop Cycling's Showstoppers. A friend of mine was into failure analysis for power plants, and he came up with the concept of figure out anything that might go wrong and then figure out how to prevent it. So how do you prevent a rear derailleur cable from breaking? Replace it at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. I used to ride STI, you know, those integrated shifters, and I figured out that about every 5,000 miles I broke a cable. Up at the up at the mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Every four thousand miles, I'd fix it. I'd replace it. I, I mean, I could do it on the road, but in the dark when you're training for race across America is not the time you want to be screwing around fixing a derailleur cable. So, stop cycling showstoppers. It's a workbook that goes through. I think it's ten different areas where you could have problems: mechanical, nutritional, illness. Another client was going to do hundred k this weekend. He's training up. And he had stomach problems right from the get-go. He was really sick. He finally decided it was food poisoning. Well, that's another showstopper that you can avoid. So it's an ebook. It's on my website. Again, www.coachuse.com. And it's set up as a workbook. So you can go through each of these different categories and figure out where your potential showstoppers are, the things that would stop you from finishing whatever your ride is. John Hughes, always a pleasure. Happy it's spring, and it's great to be out on our bikes again, even though it's going to snow on Saturday. That's why I'm working on the fridge on Saturday, waiting for it to be sunny on Monday. Going the distance, Coach John Hughes, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.